Welcome to The Bipod, a podcast about all things bisexual. We cover topics like bisexual representation, our own experiences, and queer culture. I'm Chelsea, and my pronouns are they and them. I'm Christina, and my pronouns are she and her. We define bisexuality as experiencing attraction to people who share your gender identity and to those who don't. We welcome anyone who has any kind of relationship with or curiosity about queerness. For more info about the show, you can visit thebipod.com or find us on Instagram at thebipod. We don't know everything. At all. This podcast is one piece of the long history of bisexual and queer discourse. We're here to be part of the conversation. Let's get into it. Chelsea. So what have you been thinking about lately? I've been thinking about cults. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as one does. <clears throat> as I do often. Um, I'm reading that book Cultish by Amanda Montel. It's very popular right now. Um, another nonfiction book, of course. You, um, a paragon of virtue. You know me, always, always the learned scholar. <laughs> um, and I... I'm not that far into it, but I'm really enjoying it so far. I really like her writing style. Um, I liked her first book a lot as well, Word Slut. Um, she's a cultural linguist. Um, so the book is about like the language and linguistics of cults. Um, and she moves from like, she starts with like very uh, sort of like explicit extreme uh, examples of what like everybody would point out and say, oh, that's a cult. And then uh, ends up talking about like Lululemon and pyramid schemes and all of that. Um, and it's important reading for me because I feel that I am very susceptible to cults. Um, I've never been in like a proper cult, but I do know that if a pretty girl tells me to do most anything, I'll at least <laughs> consider it, whether it's buy her weird products or, um, talked i don't know i'll do it all um <laughs> so i feel like i have to be hyper vigilant about like don't join a cult don't do don't uh you know fall prey yeah um, i have a fiction book about cults for you to oh, read if you're interested that would be fun uh, i'm so sorry i only read nonfiction. <laughs> um only learning over here thanks <laughs> <laughs> not true um yeah so i've been thinking about like the way that we talk about cults and the way that we talk about people who are or have been in them um because i think it's like especially when it's broken down linguistically um like we use culty language to like persuade people or to like to build community like <laughs> a cult is truly just someone else's community much of the time uh depending on you know who you are your definition or the word that you choose changes um and i've been thinking about how like we have very little empathy for people who are in cults you know using like a very expansive uh definition of that word um even though it's like literally so easy to like be sucked in and it like it makes sense especially like in this like ridiculous bullshit world that we exist in um i've also been thinking about that but i don't have anything um all that useful to say so I won't invite it into the space 
Um, but I think like in in a world that is very uh, it's very easy to feel hopeless. It's very easy to feel like um, helpless or at least like unable to. Um, what am I trying to say? Like, you know, it's very easy in this world to feel helpless. It's very easy to feel like you can't affect change. And so when someone comes around and says, oh, I can just like do these simple daily things and <laughs> move to my commune or whatever it is. Um, like, of course, like our human brains are like, yes, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I want to live in a world that is digestible and uh, where better things are possible. And I just wish that we had a more clear cultural understanding of what like the the tools and language of cults and cult adjacent organizations <laughs> um, are. And then also like more empathy for people who um, end up in like multi-level marketing schemes that are, you know, not good or, you know, traditional cults <laughs> and whatever. Um, like I just wish that we saw ourselves more in those experiences instead of alienating people who are in them or who are trying to get out of them um because it's they're just not that different does that make sense that felt very wandering yes no <laughs> that definitely makes sense um and i have many <laughs> many feelings about this but yeah no i think particularly because like in hearing you talk about that and in thinking about it i'm almost like i wonder if um, I, f I wonder if maybe a lot of people misunderstand what the problem with the cult is mm -hmm. in that, like, it seems to me the, the problem is when people are being exploited or yeah. being like explicitly, or I guess even implicit, like implicit harmed in some way, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to like a group of people all being like invested in a shared vision yeah, <laughs> like um, exactly and it feels silly to say it like that but i i think generally speaking um at least to my knowledge the damaging things about cults are just like capitalism they're just like they're just yeah. the same damaging things that we all live under just like um in a smaller petri dish yes exactly yeah. and maybe you know distilled because you're looking at a smaller group of people but they're not uh distinct yeah there there's n there aren't any elements that like don't in some version exist in our lives yeah and it feels a little bit like the focus often becomes not on those things because that's the the water that we're all swimming in mm -hmm. and the focus instead becomes on like hive mind like sort of the yeah like the um i think about like the fear of communism like that to me i think sometimes feels like people are mm. those same fears are what people focus on when it comes to mm. cults or cult-like things mm -hmm. as opposed to like people being exploited yeah right and that power line oh that's really interesting yeah because like the collectivism is good and that is like what our human brains are programmed to desire for safety um, but then it's, you know, the one leader or the have many leaders who, who have the power to exploit and to isolate you, um, that becomes the issue. I have a poem that I have never published because I'm like, I don't want people to think that I'm making light of cults, but it's like about 
how I sometimes wish that I was in a cult, um, which I don't like. I probably am in many cults, but like <laughs> I don't actually wish like that I lived uh, in like a traditional, yeah, d- traditionally defined cult. But I like wrote the poem as I was thinking about like I just really get it. Like people who end up in those situations, it's very like I I see very clearly how someone and even how like I could end up there. I have a lot of empathy for that. Yeah. Um. And I was just thinking about like, yeah, like if someone in this like wild wild world like said they had the answers and i had it in me to believe them like of course i would put on the white dress and fold the laundry you know um and that comes from a really like tender human place yeah i mean i think of like uh, i was very into um i was very into jesus as a like preteen um i don't know if we've talked about this no this is interesting Um, yeah, I yes. Now, uh, when you say into Jesus, define um like into Christianity. Yes, okay. yeah, yeah. And it's funny because, like, in my head, that's just like a phase of life that everyone has. It's like, yeah, you know, for a while you're <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like I sort of did too in like junior high ish. I get that. It's a very community based religion. Yeah, well, and so I went to like, like christian youth conferences and like camp through like the hip church that we went to and stuff it was kind of a it's such an interesting thing because my parents are my parents are both like woo woo like they're not religious but my mom grew up going to church because her parents were just like that's my grandfather was religious and my grandmother was you were just supposed to that's just what you're supposed to do tradition yeah like my grandfather wanted to be a pastor actually um but um so my mom grew up going to church so she was just like oh church just like teaches you good values and things and like didn't think about it especially critically um so she like went to church and she liked having like a community but she was not like invested in it Mm -hmm. um but i was like about it um and did like Wednesday night youth group and like the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could like really get into that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I always had this feeling of like, I feel that it, I felt what I now know was a combination of um, depression and bisexuality. Uh, um, <laughs> I just felt like there was something about, me. I was like, there's something wrong with me because I can't like, I don't fully fit into your, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I like, really wanted to just be like 100% like bought in to that vision um and like that's I mean that's exactly like that's what you were that's the process yeah there's like a lot to be that could be said about that but yeah yeah I like got chills when you said that I feel like I had a similar experience my parents also like my dad is grew up in the church is not religious at all um has no faith in anything (laughs) except for what he sees in front of him and my mom is like, just believe in something. I don't care what it is, but it's good to have some kind of thing. So yeah, like, that's sort of how my mom is. Yeah. Um, which was actually a very cool like worldview to grow up on. But they also sent us to like a youth group. Uh, to be honest, um, <laughs> I, it was on Monday nights. I think they like to be able to like watch football in peace. <laughs> um, but that, and I remember in junior high being like, oh, like we're all wearing the same shirt and like doing the same thing, and like I was in the church really version fun. of Girl Scouts church scouts 
Wow. I yeah. Know yeah. Thing. It was um, stars was what the older girls did. And I forget what the, I was never in the younger groups, but like my sister mm-hmm. did that as well, but she really wasn't invested in it. She's like, cool. Mm-hmm. You just like show up and hang out. But I was like, I got to memorize Bible verses so I can get <laughs> badges and like, it was a whole thing. Yeah. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like the, <laughs> the content, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I liked feeling like I was three a part stars. Of wouldn't recommend, yeah. but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I remember being like, I should memorize all of this stuff. Um, <laughs> fast forward to me, a poet now, still being like, oh my god, memorizing words. Um, but yeah, I remember probably around yes, junior high, feeling like everybody is uh experiencing this differently than I am, and I don't like that because I like experiencing things the same as other people. Um. And I had a friend, a really good friend in uh, college who, like, is Christian, and that's chill for her. Um, And I went to, like, a few, like, campus church things with her just, like, because we were hanging out. Um, And I had a couple experiences where I was like, oh, like, this could, this would be really moving if I, like, and it was really moving. Um, But I also felt that distance of, like, this is not a space that is for me. Mm. Um, And I wish that I had a space that was for me that felt like this so if a bisexual cult like showed up like <laughs> i'm i'm joining like that's what it is yeah <laughs> um we I, I had thought about this already but now having this conversation um i like really want us to do a conversation about like queerness and religion yeah um would love to talk about I that have, more i have some people uh who we could talk to about that okay yeah um but yeah that's what i've been thinking about is um cults, cults. and the, my relationship to them and uh our collective relationship to them yeah anyway (laughs) what about you what have you been thinking about (laughs) um i have been thinking about all of the bullshit that we (laughs) internalize Mm. wow what a what a segue there (laughs) (laughs) um i mean and there's lots of things there's (laughs) there's (laughs) lots of bullshit to internalize but specifically as it relates to romance and love and what what kinds of stories are valuable or impressive um, mm. or serious. So I am doing a, a revision on my novel right now. And it is a more of a developmental revision and so I'm not so much I'm not like rather than doing edits in the pages I am like I'm editing kind of the story mm-hmm. arc and yeah, the character so I'm doing picture. a lot of yeah I'm doing a lot of like outside work of figuring out like okay how do these characters fit together how does that fit into this story mm-hmm. um and then we'll be going into the draft to like change things but the reason I started doing that um is because I realized that the end was depressing, which was not the goal. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I at least it felt very depressing to me. Um and what I had wanted was something that wasn't completely wrapped up but that was hopeful in a way where you could like imagine a happy ending from it. And a couple of friends who'd read it were like, "Well, they didn't describe it as depressing, but they were also like, yeah, it's like maybe it's a it's a downbeat. <laughs> a bit of a downer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just felt like that was just not what I wanted for this story and not I don't I'm not in a place where I'm interested in writing sad yeah. endings. 
um, I'm living in a sad, what, not an ending. I'm just living in a sad <laughs> moment existence. Yeah. I just, like don't want, um, I'm not interested in writing stories that are sad that end in that way right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I was like, okay, well I gotta fix this ending. But as is often the case, the problem wasn't in the ending itself. It was, or the problem was earlier. I had to do, I had to change things earlier in order to make a different end possible. And I just kept having this issue where I like could not, I just like could not conceive of a, (laughs) of a happy ending. I could think of lots of ways to make things worse Mm. or a different (laughs) variety of bad. (laughs) And I could just, I kept, I was like, okay, well this thing could happen. And then this thing. And I just kept like ratcheting up the like, um, the bummer factor. Yes. (laughs) And then being like, well, shit, I don't know how to dig myself out of this hole that I've dug myself into. So I was turning that problem over in my head, trying to, like, figure out what the issue was. And kind of as that was happening, I I read some romance novels, which are not something that I typically read. Um, not for any particular reason, other than that I think I was mildly scarred um, by as a preteen, my grandmother gave me a copy of a romance novel that she liked. Oh, that she liked. <laughs> yeah, that was she read a lot of them, I think, but she only gave me that one. Was it smutty? Oh, you definitely. <laughs> um, the thing is, I'm sure there was a, there were sex scenes. I don't remember them. What I do remember is um, there was kissing with tongue and the oh. I don't maybe I didn't know about like tongue kissing at that point but I have I can still sort of like imagine in my head <laughs> me like seeing it like it's still that image is still with me I do remember when I first learned the term like French kiss and like learned what it was like I just thought one person opened their mouth and the other person <laughs> just like put their tongue in. and I was like that's not hot like what do you mean <sighs> also Kissing, but particularly kissing with tongue, is the kind of thing that the more you describe it, the grosser and less hot it is. Yeah. You very <laughs> just a smattering of description yeah. is all you need. Um, <laughs> I did not want uh, my grandmother associated with um, Frenching. <laughs> yes. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um,. And so, like, having had that, like, formative experience, I was just sort of like, yeah, romance novels are great in the abstract, but, like, they're not my thing. Mm, that's a very interesting <laughs> impression to be left with. Um, <laughs> and that's actually, I've had that happen with other things where, like, I had an early experience. I talked about this, I think, in the last episode oh, of reading yeah. a bad, like, yeah, um, queer book. yeah, and being like, oh, I don't like sapphic stories not for me um i also had that happen with fan fiction i was like traumatized by um i was traumatized by reading a accidentally finding a harry potter fan fiction um in which hermione was pregnant um her and i don't remember if it was ron or harry but um one of them got her pregnant and um i just i still remember the line where um whoever the father was like wanted to know how she got pregnant and she was like don't you remember when we had sex in the snow and i was like the oh snow. my god 
the snow um yes and i was like <laughs> close window like this is not <laughs> this is not what i wanted um and so for a long time what? i didn't read fan fiction because of that wow. now very profic um i but it was the same sort of thing where i was like oh my god i love that other people are doing this yeah. like read it write it but i was like but i don't if do that you like snow sex good for you <laughs> <laughs> me no thank you <laughs> that's so funny I have to think on that more. Like, what is it? I've just had all these. Yeah. I mean, I respect your experience uh, entirely. And that that was. And I also have no relationship with Harry Potter. I've never read the books. Um, I don't know that if I had that experience, I just thought you were going to say something else <laughs> besides having sex in the snow. It was just so not. It was so contrary to what. Like, I don't remember how I got there, but it was just. It that wasn't was, what you were looking for. It was for. not what I was looking <laughs> for. And yeah. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that people are doing this. <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> um, I'll do some personal interrogation about why I've had so many things, so many hangups of this nature. But um, <laughs> I think that's a very normal thing because you only know your experiences. So you're like, I had this experience and it was bad. Therefore, this thing is bad. <laughs> Logic. I get it. Yeah. A slippery slope, though. <laughs> Problematic. <laughs> anyway, I read some romance novels, which I, they were just like, it was fun and like enjoyable. I don't know. I just like really liked spending time with the characters and like I liked spending time like in their yeah. relationships. And um, so I read a series of romance novels and then um some writers that i like hosted a writing boot camp called h-e-a-w-t-f happily ever after what the fuck oh, okay um <laughs> yeah um where they were all talking about different uh talking about different things related to romance writing mm -hmm. romance so um one of the sections was with amy spaulding um and she talked about the like skeleton of um rom-coms like these are the different beats of romantic comedies and i was like you know i feel like that might help with the book problems that i'm having and so in thinking about that and like playing with it a little bit i was like oh yeah like this is actually fixing this seems to like really be working for me and it's funny because um someone had previously given me a note on the book and they were like why isn't this like more of a romance <laughs> and oh, i was wow. like well yeah, blah, blah. and i was like i mean that's what i have like real the most fun working on um and i thought that i had ad had been addressing that note but i hadn't been i had not really been leaning into the romance of it and what i realized in finding these things that um in reading the romance novels and enjoying those and then going this to this workshop um, and be like, oh yeah, I think this like rom-com structure will like benefit my story. Um, what I realized is that I actually really love romantic stories. Like I love stories about people falling in love and sometimes that falling in love is romantic and sometimes it's falling in love with your friends mm -hmm. or like there, I think there are lots of ways that people can fall in love. Yeah. Um, but actually, like, when I think about the things that I, the stories that I like, and also when I think about the things that I'm interested in writing, they pretty much all revolve around romance. Mm -hmm. 
or falling in love um, in some capacity. But I think I had been, I realized that I had been resisting that because it felt very, uh, it felt unserious to me. Mm. Um, not highbrow enough. <laughs> no. Well, and it's like, it's not like I, I, I'm writing a YA novel, like, which I think that YA uh, does a lot of different things and is often undersold by people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. But even so, it's not like I'm out here writing literary fiction. Yeah, you're not you're not invested consciously in being highbrow, whatever yeah. that is. Um but not like me who only <laughs> reads nonfiction. Yeah. Uh but listen uh longtime listeners of the pod will know that I do often lament uh I do often fear being mistaken for basic. Right. And I think this is the same thing. Oh. Like I think I just felt like not that uh, not that I couldn't write things with romance, but that couldn't be like the point or like right. the driving force. Um, because that the a best description I unserious is like the best description I have. Just yeah. that like that didn't It's not respectable. Yes. That didn't like <laughs> count. <laughs> like it's not uh it's not oh. real writing, which is definitely only something that I was directing at myself. Like I right. wouldn't you wouldn't read someone else's romance novel and be like, well, this isn't real. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. It's just been like very eye-opening because, I mean, I'm still, I still have a lot of work to do on the book, but it feels a lot better now. I, I've come up with an ending that I feel good about and it's oh, not yay. depressing. Um, and all it took was for me to admit that what I wanted to write was a love story. <laughs> That's great. Oh, um, journey. yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it just has me I'm not really thinking about like somewhere along the way. I, I mean, there's definitely lots of cultural stuff that says like love stories aren't valuable and that romance novels aren't real writing and all yeah. kinds of things. But like somewhere along the way, I had very much internalized that in my own interests and mm -hmm. had made a decision that like that wasn't what I was gonna do and it was um hurting my work oh interesting we do pick up bullshit and then uh <laughs> you know just drag it around with us for years and years yeah interesting well I'm glad that you know what's weird is that we're very close but I have not read your book and you have not read my book <laughs> I was gonna read your book but then you told me to wait until you did your edit yeah um that's strange. All will fix that eventually. Yeah. So originally we had an entirely different topic planned for this episode, but things kind of suck right now. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I guess in a lot of ways they have sucked <laughs> for a Since while. Since the beginning <laughs> of time. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Something always sucks and probably. And that's the bipod promise. <laughs> I'm never going to get to the end of the sentence. I'm sorry. It's fine. <laughs> um, something always sucks. And since the pandemic started, it feels as though things have sucked much more consistently, mm -hmm. I'll say. Mm -hmm. uh, but particularly right now, um, things suck for queer kids. Mm -hmm. um, and... So we felt like we needed to acknowledge that uh, after a fashion. Yeah. Um, 
and we feel like an episode maybe is not like the most uh, useful way to talk about it um talk what's going on particularly specifically in florida and texas um you know we'll make sure that we include some information and links maybe in the description so that um if you are not familiar with what's going on you can find that information um but we're, what we're most interested in is making sure that we're doing everything that we can um to let you know folks know where they can support uh trans kids in texas and their families along with queer kids in florida um as legislators do everything they can to be uh horrific and awful um so if you all subscribe to our newsletter we'll make sure um you know we have a newsletter coming out that um will have a more detailed more extensive list of resources um for people who are in those states um experiencing any kind of insecurity um as well as uh places where people who are not in those states can um you know support can learn about what's going on um and you know be involved in and be in community and show up for uh, the people who need us so yeah that information will be there um and we definitely encourage you to check it out and to do what is in your power um to help yeah we keep us safe mm-hmm. so we wanted to take an opportunity to talk about some queer joy mm-hmm. um given that we are feeling so much uh sadness and angst around us um and we thought specifically we would talk about some queer joy from our childhoods Mm -hmm. um and some some queer experiences from our youth (laughs) (laughs) um and just kind of have a a fun convo Mm -hmm. about that Mm -hmm. yeah um so chelsea can you tell me something cute and queer from that brought you joy in your childhood yes so um i (laughs) have been realizing recently that there were a lot of um things that i liked as a kid that now i'm like oh i was having a bisexual experience (laughs) um one of which um is uh the movie 10 things i hate about you um, which let me tell you, I recently rewatched it and it 100% holds up oh, like good. still a great movie. Yeah. I was, I was a little bit worried. I was like, am I going to watch this movie? Cause it's so many things. Nothing like, holds up. Dear yeah. Lord. <laughs> um, and it's not perfect in the way that like nothing is perfect, right. but it's still like, is very much a good movie and not just like in a nostalgia way. Um, but I, I really loved Julia Stiles. Like anything that she was in, I wanted to watch. Mm. Um, and I really didn't think about it any more critically than that. <laughs> and then as I was recently rewatching 10 Things I Hate About You, I was like, oh, no, I was definitely like into Julia Stiles. Mm. Um, and also Heath Ledger is a total babe. Mm-hmm. And I was also having like I was definitely into both of them and having an experience of like them getting together. Mm-hmm. Um and then that also made me realize there was another Heath Ledger movie um that I had a bisexual experience <laughs> with, uh, which is a knight's tale, which mm-hmm. is him 
and Shannon Sossamon. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce her last name. Um, and I rewatched that movie as well. Um, that love story is not as good. It has a good found family, um, a found family element. The love story leaves something to be desired. But 10 Things I Hate About You, still a great love story. And uh, before we started recording, I was, Christina, you don't recall having seen A Knight's Tale. Yeah, I don't think I have. Um, so I was like, let me show you some photos <laughs> of Shannon, but particularly what was going on with her hair, because there was a mm. lot happening with the hair. I was like, this is, she's giving, she was giving some real bisexual vibes. Yeah. And it's just, it's funny to think about how like, like queer kids are just like, out, everything is a queer experience <laughs> to yeah. a queer kid. Like, well, because it's like, at least, you know, when we were kids and, and in many ways also now, um, it's not like you had that many options that were yeah. explicitly like, <laughs> you know, these people are queer, they're going to do queer things. Um, so we just kind of had to map our own meaning and, yeah. you know, have our own experiences and that we did. That <laughs> yeah. We did. Well, and you've <laughs> talked on the pod before about, um, watching that music oh, video. If I never see your face again by Maroon 5. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Rihanna. Yeah. <laughs> and you were like, why do I like this music yeah. video? It's like, oh, well. Because <laughs> <laughs> two people here are very hot. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm like not in, really into Adam Levine anymore, but Rihanna, <laughs> queen of my life. Um, yeah, and I just like, I loved both of those movies. I loved anything with Julia Stiles in it. Um, it uh, it's been really fun to rediscover those things and be like, oh, that's what was. Yeah. happening here yeah. um and <laughs> just still as an adult be like yeah i mean julia styles can get it <laughs> she can <laughs> true, true, true. um a an expression that my mom uses that is that i think of often which is um i wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating crackers wow <laughs> i love that yeah i recently i discovered um that my friend Allison, that I think her mom or someone in her family also uses that expression. So I used it jokingly one day and she's like, oh my God, someone else also <laughs> uses that. I also love the ethic of like, if you're hot, you may leave crumbs in my bed, but if not, no crackers. You may stay in bed, but no crackers. Yeah. So, um, That's so funny. Yeah. I, um, I would not, I wouldn't kick Julia Stiles or Heath Ledger out of my bed for eating crackers um, as a youth and, it continues to be true today in seeing oh. them in, in movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, out here making queer meaning. No matter yeah. the no matter the text. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're in there. Yeah. We find out. Um what about you? Yeah. Um the first thing that comes to mind to be honest is actually uh like two real people. Um, I had two lesbian teachers. Um, the first one, actually, my brother had her in elementary school, but my mom was like a room mom. Um, it was a relatively small school, so I like had a relationship with her, and I would like rotate into her classes or whatever. Um, that would have been third grade. Um, and I don't know if I'll say. I guess I won't say their names because like I didn't ask if I could. <laughs> um, but she was just this really cool lady. I don't know that she was married. She used the term partner. 
um, to describe her partner. Um, but they had a daughter who was in my grade, um, who I still know now, mostly through like social media, and she's killing the game. Very cool kid. Um, and she was just really cool, and like I thought, she was maybe the first like openly queer person that I knew. Um, I think that's true. And she wasn't like it just it was just known and it was just like a thing. Um, and I'm sure that there are some people who had like issues with it, but like she and my mom would like talk about their spouses or their partners. Um, and it was just like a thing. And like their daughter was like, yeah, I have two moms. I don't know how biology works. Like, this is what it is, you know. <laughs> um, and like it was just and like um, there were probably parents who were shitty about it. Um, I just like didn't really see that because like my parents weren't shitty about it. Um, and it was just really cool. And then I, I personally had a teacher in uh, high school who was married to uh, her wife who also taught um, at the same high school who they also had a daughter. It's like a strange like <laughs> uh, pattern repetition. Um, but, you know, it was high school. So I was like a little bit more aware of people like being garbage around me and like making weird jokes and whatever. Um, but she also like her screensaver on her computer was a photo of like her and her wife and their daughter. Um, and she'd put it up on the projector when she was sharing something on her computer. And it was like, yeah, you're a fucking teenager. I don't care if you like want to make a lesbian joke. I'm happy. And like, that's life. Um, and yeah, I don't get emotional. I don't think that I like appreciated what it was like to have that, you know, um, but I really do know. So there's that. Um, <laughs> on a lighter note, um, The Princess Diaries, Anne Hathaway, <laughs> come on. <laughs> uh, talk about somebody who I would not kick out of bed for eating crackers. <laughs> um, yeah, she's hot, 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 um, in my opinion. <laughs> and um, I remember I loved the movies. Um, I like went and saw the first one at uh, El Capitan with my mom. <laughs> and we, like did a tea party and stuff. It was so cute. Um, and I remember really loving the relationship. I was very interested in the relationship between Mia <laughs> Thermopolis, which what a last name, amazing, and uh, her grandma. Like that was very interesting to me. Um, as soon as you said you were interested in a relationship, I just immediately assumed that it was between her and her best friend. Lily. That was my other one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I was interested like with her and Julie Andrews, but then. Uh, not in like a romantic way, but just in like a Yeah. I mean, look, I wouldn't kick Julie yeah. Andrews out of bed for eating crackers. <laughs> wow, it sounds like a lot of people can eat crackers. <laughs> I love very freely. Uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember being very interested in like Julie Andrews like experiencing Mia's world and like I was interested in like that kind of dynamic. Um and I was also very interested in Lily um, and her, like, cool punk band. Um, <laughs> I was like, what a dream girl. And then, like, I think in the fir first movie, Mia, like, ends up with her brother, which I'm like, yes. what are you doing? Do you not see his sister? Like, I mean, this is very, like, um, in Bring It On when um, Kirsten Dunst's character ends up with the brother yeah. when, like, clearly. Stop dating people's brothers. Yeah. Like, what do you... <laughs> no proxy necessary <laughs> just date each other <laughs> just kiss yeah wow i'm gonna write that book someday it's like yeah. you think 
that they're going to end up with a brother, but really they just end up mm-hmm. with a friend because they are in love. Yeah. I lo- love that. <laughs> <laughs> you heard yeah. it here first. <laughs> yeah. You better uh, trademark that now. <laughs> our fourth novel idea today <laughs> very generative <laughs> um but yeah i was like really into lily and like really into their like friendship because like mia is like navigating like i'm a teenager in, in america but then also genovia and i'm a princess and what is like what's going on and lily is like it's all good i'm just like in this punk band and like why are you trying to like be with like the popular girls who smear ice cream all over you like what are you doing um that was very compelling and i <laughs> really appreciate how if i remember correctly in the first movie she like kisses michael at the end or whatever and then in the second movie like he's just like oh they broke up it's <laughs> 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 like, um, now we have chris pine yeah this which is the second one right is it the second or the third one i don't know i just know and at some the- point chris pine comes in and that uh Fan. Yeah, <laughs> and Chris Pine is my favorite of the Chris's. I have to say, I think mm-hmm. he's had a hold on me since Princess Diaries. Um, and yeah, I also had a very bisexual experience of like, wow, <laughs> he's hot and she's hot. Um, and I like remember, um, like narratively, I was interested in like, oh, they're falling in love, but also like, she, like not because she needs to have a king to rule Genovia, like <laughs> she's gonna rule by herself, but also like they're gonna be in love. Um, so I liked that, but I definitely had an experience of like, oh, everybody here is really hot, including <laughs> Ju- Julie Andrews. Like if we're being honest, <laughs> see, yeah, <laughs> what an icon. Um, but yeah, really have a thing for Anne Hathaway. Um, I do resent that they tried to like convince us that she wasn't hot for the first. Like third of the first movie, I was like, "Yeah, her hair. She needs some oil in her hair. Like that's it. Come on, what are we doing?" Um, but I mean, that's just par for the course of the early aughts. Um, what those movies <laughs> were like. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, lots of like, interested in the dynamics and relationships in those movies, and also everybody's hot. It's funny. <laughs> I had not remotely thought about this before. But as you were talking about Princess Diaries, I was like, Mandy Moore is in that movie. Mm-hmm. She's really mean, but I think I liked it. Yeah, the scene where, I, if I remember correctly, like they're like at a bonfire because Mia's like, I'm a princess now, so I hang out with the cool girls. And then Mandy Moore like smears like chocolate ice cream all over her. Do you remember that? Am I making that up? I think you're right. I don't really remember. And like, I don't like the scene because it's like really mean and it really hurts me as feelings. And like, she actually like cries, cries with her mom, which that also stuck with me because I was like, me, I cry with my mom all the time. And like, this is like, <laughs> not like a cute, oh, I'm so sad. Like, dab, dab, you know, uh, cry. She was like, <laughs> not ugly crying because she's Anne Hathaway, <laughs> but like supposed to be ugly crying with her mom who's like trying to fix the situation. Just loved all the dynamics there. Um, but I was also like, objectively, this scene is Mandy Moore smearing ice cream all over Anne Hathaway's <laughs> boobs. <laughs> <sighs> uh, and um, yeah, the context perhaps complicates that. But um, yeah, that, that was objectively what was happening. Um, and then I read the books later, which were like much spicier, but they were spicier like between... 
Mia and Michael, which I just realized they like kind of have the same name. (laughs) (laughs) I think his name is Michael in the books too, but I was like not that interested. I was a little bit interested in like some of it, but I was like, oh, I was into Princess Diaries because of Anne Hathaway, (laughs) not because of the story necessarily. I remember like really clearly a scene in one of the books where like she goes to prom with Michael, which I think happens in the movie too. I believe that. Uh, every movie ends in prom, so yeah. probably. <laughs> and she's wearing a strapless dress in the book. And so she also, like, is wearing a strapless bra. And I was very young when I was reading these books. I, like, don't even think I was wearing bras yet, to be honest. I probably was. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Michael, like, wants to, like, put like touch her boobs. But, like, the bra is too tight. <laughs> so he, like, can't. So she, like, goes in the bathroom and, like, throws her bra away. So there's, like, more space, like, in the dress so he can, like, get to second base. And I was, like, she threw the bra away? Because <laughs> I was, like, oh, that's, like, she's yes. a princess now. Money doesn't matter to her. True. You just throw your undergarments, <laughs> throw your undergarments away. away. You'll get a new one. Um, but I was, like, oh, this is titillating. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what a but, weird choice. <laughs> um, I was, like, this is interesting, but also... If I threw something away that my mom bought me, she would be so mad. <laughs> um, there is a scene in the original Gossip Girl. I Another book series that I read way too young. <laughs> <laughs> I never read the books, but um, <laughs> where Blake Lively's character, where Serena just throws her cell phone in the trash can. <laughs> wow. And people will still like use that gif or like make references to that she just like full on she was just like i don't want to like deal with the world basically she's like just throws her phone in a trash can in the street of new york (laughs) oh if only it were that easy whatever mommy will buy me another one (laughs) i never watched that show the original one but i did read the books and uh i learned a lot of things in those books (laughs) let me tell you I feel like I've talked about that on the show before. Ugh. So uh, though that was objectively a, not a queer um, franchise, I guess. But for me, it was for you. I'm confident <laughs> that you were not alone in shipping. I'm Mia gonna go and back Lily. and rewatch that uh, Mandy Moore ice cream <laughs> scene and see what I think about it now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I think that you know, like we were saying earlier. Wow, you really have a type. What do you mean? And <laughs> the way Christy Carlson Romano. <laughs> okay, they, I see what you mean. <laughs> it's not as specific as your type. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> former bass player. <laughs> I do have a type. Uh, you know what it is? I like mandolin contrast. player. Please. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> mandolinist i don't know (laughs) yeah i feel like uh christy carlson romano was like really formative for me in my queerness and so perhaps i am (laughs) that uh you know initiated a pattern for me (laughs) she was also hot in even stevens she was a sister you remember i do remember the show yes my sister i think really liked it Uh, she does so much for the culture (laughs) Um, but yeah, like we were saying before, uh, you know, it's not like we now live in a perfect world where everybody is safe and happy all of the time, um, at all. Um, 
and also I do I notice a difference um in the kids that I see and have access to um in like the kinds of things that they are exposed to and aware of yeah. um like my older niece who is going to be 9 next month which is wild um asks my sister a lot of like very uh nuanced questions about queerness um very wide range of like every time you tell me stories about this I'm always just like ah yes yeah it's like really um it's really like healing for me to see my sister be such a like good and conscious parent she's the best um but it's cool because like my sister like really makes an effort to like explore those conversations with her and also to make sure that she knows that my sister is not like the end all be all of knowledge (laughs) about anything and like particularly queerness um and she'll model that often by like calling me and putting me on speakerphone (laughs) with my niece and like we talk about it um and I also am like oh I like I actually don't know but like maybe we can ask somebody who has that experience yeah and things like that and just sort of modeling like you know it's great to learn it's great to like know but also like every person you meet is going to approach the world differently um and even in just I won't like share too many specifics for (laughs) for privacy because she's a child Uh, but even just like in the specific kind of like follow-up questions that she has I'm like oh like the way that you think about like people as a monolith is like not the way that I was brought up to think about people in a monolith Um, and so things like that make me very hopeful Mm -hmm. Um, you know I think that uh, we are all working really hard to make sure that queerness is visible and accessible um, so that you know (laughs) we may continue to map queerness onto whatever we choose um but there's so much value in having those explicit examples yeah yeah and it um like you said um it can be very healing even like as an adult to see um to see kids getting to have different experiences than we had yeah um I end of last year um had what unexpectedly turned out to be like a very emotional experience um I was like listening to somebody give a talk and they were um they have a kid who's non-binary and I think 11 um and they were gonna go to um I'm getting like emotional just thinking about this. Mm. Um, they were gonna go to a family friend's house for Thanksgiving, and um, and so she um called these friends to let them know that um her kid was would be using they and them pronouns and to ask mm. um ask for them to use that and um the family friends um who were like close friends said like that they weren't okay with that um and that they like couldn't do that and um that they didn't want to do that in front of their kids and it's a whole thing and Mm. um they were like you know we'd still love to have you come for thanksgiving but you know we can't do that and um she said like that they wouldn't be coming for Thanksgiving um, mm. and that if they couldn't um, 
accept her kid for who they are like that that was the end of that relationship um and i just started like crying hysterically just um like imagining having um a parent having an adult in your life come through for you in that way and say like um that um to like protect you and to advocate for you yeah in the way that i'm gonna cry too (laughs) (laughs) Uh, in this episode christina and chelsea (laughs) weep um but yeah to like have an adult like um do the things that adults are supposed to do for children yeah which is create a world where they get to be safe and they get to explore who they are um and trust that it's gonna be okay yeah Mm. (laughs) (laughs) um and we want that we want that world for for everybody um obviously we're thinking specifically now about kids and specifically about kids in texas and in florida um but let's not pretend that um you know there is a haven anywhere where you know queer safety is not a concern yeah um (coughs) but we're working on building that um that different world together where Mm -hmm. yeah where everybody's safe and where queer kids are protected and nurtured yeah yeah and i think um like when i think about my sister and i think about like other friends that i have who have queer kids um something that i'm like really struck by that i think like i i do have a model for that i grew up with just like not in a queer context is like the whole like it takes a community to raise a child um approach um my parents definitely took that um you know maybe didn't have the tools to um make that an explicitly queer experience um but like i have friends who are not queer or who are like a different uh you know (laughs) section of queer like under the queer umbrella um with kids who are having different kinds of queer experiences um and i see my friends and those parents um making a significant effort to learn about their kids experience which like also always makes me emotional um and also to bring in people who can show up and support their kids in different ways and sort of having that um that humility you know of like i don't rule your entire planet (laughs) and there are other people here who will take care of you um i think that that's so important and valuable for all of us especially for children um and it also i think sets queer kids up um for uh their responsibilities and joys and uh you know community support that exists within the queer community when they're an adult um because i do think that we um often care for each other differently than the straights (laughs) um and just seeing seeing kids get access to some kind of that community earlier um is really beautiful and brings me a lot of hope well goodbye goodbye. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to this episode of The Bipod. You can follow us on Instagram at The Bipod. You can email us at thisisthebipod at gmail.com. You can find show notes and transcripts of our episodes on our website, thebipod.com. The show is hosted by Chelsea Bergen and Christina Brown, and this episode was edited and produced by Chelsea Bergen. Our theme song is Coming Home by Snowflake.